0: You want to have good mentors in your career, and then you want to pay it forward, and you want to be a good mentor to others.
1: Hello and welcome to the Solar Maverick podcast, where solar meets entrepreneurship and experience. I'm your host, Benoit Thangin, so let's get into it. Welcome to the Solar Maverick Podcast. I'm Benoit, your host of the podcast. I'm excited to have our guest, Steve Schword. He's the principal of Schword Consulting. Actually, Steve, you're the first time we've actually had a second interview of someone that we've interviewed initially. We had great feedback from your podcast interview, and I'm excited to have you back on the podcast, Steve.
0: Oh, thanks, Benoit. I'm honored to be your first, second time we're here. I'm excited to do it. I enjoyed the first one. Really didn't know what to expect, it having been my first podcast as well. So uh, yeah, it's comfortable. You've set it up well for everybody, and I've enjoyed listening to all your podcasts since.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you're not familiar with Schwerd Consulting, they're dedicated to design engineering and support in all areas of solar photovoltaics. Let Schword Consulting take the burden off you and bring ease and expertise in all your areas of engineering and design. They focus on solar PV design and engineering, solar consulting, owner's representation, and project management. And Steve actually has over 25 years in consulting engineering work, but he's involved, and probably it's even more than this now, that you've developed and led a full engineering service team that, before you started toward consulting, that emerged as the nationalized, recognized engineering leader for solar. But at this point, how many projects have you worked on and how many megawatts over how many states? It You think it's... Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I know it's I a mean, lot more
0: than 300 megawatts now, right? Right word consulting, we've probably done close to that three hundred megawatts yeah. when you tally up the designs we've done, the engineering we've done, and then a lot of the uh, owner representation that we've done. and and those could add up, you know when we've done some big program reviews. but that's that's in five years. so so yeah, we're making good headway
1: and it's been amazing. You know, Steve started his company approximately five years ago and they've been growing substantially ever since that. Is there anything else that you would like to add about what Chord Consulting does or uh, your I, background specifically? I mean, you've been in solar now for 10 years. It's You're a dinosaur
0: <laughs> that's, in that's the right. solar industry. I'm a dinosaur, and like we talked about last time, that's why it's, a, it's, it's such a, a great industry for people to get into and young people because – you can be a veteran relative to much of the uh, workforce in it, in short order. But yeah, no, you captured it well. I don't want to bore your listeners. They could always refer back to the first podcast where we really did a deep dive into my background. But I am a, an electrical engineer by background and you know, grew into the building industry and then that mechanical electrical plumbing, sustainable design energy-intensive markets. And then that's where the, the solar came into play in the sustainable design and energy efforts. And I became so passionate about it, I decided to make that a, a 100% venture.
1: And just to clarify too, just so that the listeners know,
0: Schword Consulting only focuses on solar volatilics, right? That's right. 100%. And we like to say with that, that, you know, we know solar. There's others out there that do solar. We know solar. And I think one of the advantages, there's a lot of firms out there that will do solar, but it's not really a focus of theirs. They may be focused in the architectural building community. And then you have other engineers that are purely focused on solar that may not have the same experience related to the facilities or the utilities that are obviously a big, big part of solar construction. Definitely. And
1: that's a huge differentiator. I've obviously known Steve for a long time. We're friends as well. And we've known each other for now almost 10 years, which is crazy, or nine years maybe. So time does fly by. And, you know, there are very few companies that's solely focused on solar. And, you know, Steve really understands all the different aspects of developing and constructing a project and really could add value to clients to help them, you know, move their projects in the right direction. So
0: Thanks, Benoit. And, you know, I've learned from you on financial and development <laughs> aspects as well. Definitely. And then Steve was actually on episode
1: 17 of the Solar Maverick podcast. It was called Solar Engineering and Advice. For entrepreneurs looking to grow successfully in the solar industry. He mentioned a previous conversation. Actually, Steve was at our first live podcast event that we did. And actually, we came out with the podcast episode. It was on July 30th in Jersey City, New Jersey. It was a very successful event, how solar technology is changing the world. It's actually episode 42 of the Solar Maverick podcast. Suzanne Waters, who co-hosts some episodes with me, she also worked for Renew Energy, moderated that panel. I was on the panel as well with Steve and Juan Trulio from Strata Solar and Chris Grablitz from PV Pros. And if you haven't listened to that episode, it was a great episode. And and Steve talks about how you know being in other industries, obviously more traditional industries you're considered a dinosaur after 30 or 40 years. But in the solar industry, it's only 10 years since it's a new and emerging and fast growing industry. And there's still plenty of opportunity, as he mentioned, you know, for people who are, you know, young and looking to get into it. It's a great industry to be in. So I appreciate you being at the live podcast event. What was your perception? What did you think of that event, our first
0: live event? Oh, I, I really enjoyed it, Benoit. And I I trust that it was well-received. It certainly felt that way. It was, the setting was great. And I would do that over and over <laughs> again. Enjoyable in a, a nice restaurant, bar, location, along the water. So your attendees and your speakers alike are very relaxed and it became very conversational as opposed to a typical conference setting but more than that i know that the speakers that you just mentioned you know you set up we all have known each other over the years you know through projects through working together developing you know friendships but what struck me i didn't even realize until we were on the panel in the middle of it that you actually put together a cradle to grave panel if you will for solar because it involved you know yourself on the financial and the development side and then you take it to Schwert consulting which will then do the uh, design engineering efforts for it Juan's company, Stratosolar, will do the construction of it. And then Chris Grablutz with PV Pros after installation, their company does the operations and maintenance for the the life of the PV system. So everybody was able to speak to the different phases of the project. And that, that's a wise thing. Yeah,
1: that was planned and it was great because you got a unique perspective and i don't think we've ever seen at least i haven't and i've been to a lot of solar conference where you have everyone in the development and then you know construction engineering financing and o&m in one panel to kind of talk about their perspective so it's pretty
0: unique right because typically there will be a panel with a very focused theme, theme and yes. discussion so this you know this goes against that grain and could cover all bases. And, you know, the Q&A sessions were good as well.
1: Yeah, I was surprised how the Q&A after us speaking in this panel for an hour, we had a half an hour worth of questions. And then even after the event, you know, we were there still. And I know that we all were answering a lot of people's questions. So it was a success, really successful event. I really appreciate you being a part of it. And you did
0: a great job and provided a great perspective. So thank you. No, thank you, Benoit. Let me know when the next one is. Yeah, definitely. We've been getting after that. <laughs> with event, or without a panel, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: we're going to have, obviously, a holiday party coming up first week of December. We'll be sending out details in November. We're definitely going to have more panel discussions as well. We were overwhelmed, actually, with how many people are asking us when the next one is. And definitely we'll have it soon. And obviously, you know, would love to have you attend and, and be a part of it. You got it. And one of the things which uh, with Steve and what was amazing to me was I actually interviewed a former colleague of mine, Dominic Manelli, episode 30 of the Solar Maverick podcast. And it's called How to Construct a Great Solar Project. He has his own, you know, construction company. And the first line of his podcast was, there are three things that I learned from Steve Schwartz, which then I was blown away by that whole part of it. And I'm sure for you, it must have been surreal hearing about it. Can you go into basically Dominic asked, Steve was getting Steve's advice about starting a company. And then Steve provided the three things that you have to find with, I guess, you know, people that you're going to do business with. Well, first of all, what did you think when Dominic actually mentioned you in the beginning of the podcast? And can you go over to, you know, tell our listeners, you know, what those three things are? That sure. Would be.
0: Yeah. I mean, first off, that was great. I, when I was listening to the podcast and didn't even know about it, heard that, I thought it was great because, you know, one thing is, it's always, mentorship's a good thing, right? So, Bidirectional. So you wanna have good mentors in your career and then you wanna pay it forward and you wanna be a good mentor to others. And Dominic and I worked for many years with Vanguard Energy Partners who we've, you know, I've been doing business for over 10 years now and Dominic was heading up their electrical. So our relationship grew to the point where we would talk about business and entrepreneurialism and you know, when he decided to, to do his own thing. And he's having success now with Pro Circuit as a, a leading electrical contractor for solar here in New Jersey. What he discussed was loosely derived from something that somebody in my past had shared with me. That was Len Cubelis when I had, come on to take over engineering operations for a growing architectural firm that got into the architectural and engineering business and was poised to grow significantly, which we did. And right from the start, we had a discussion about the criteria for ownership and partnership. And I loosely, I had taken that to heart, worked it for myself and in speaking with Dominic I said there's really three things cuz Dominic does have a partner he said you want three items for a partner in your business and number one they have to have proven results in their field and by that you know obviously depending on what your business is those results could be different but it's it's got to be results that are of a positive quality a positive operation satisfied clients but more than that it has to be a proven ability to return profits in what you do right because people could be extremely skilled or extremely knowledgeable and maybe you know them in that way but if they cannot you know if they cannot translate that into economic gains or into value to a a client or a customer because clients customers they don't pay for your skills they don't pay for your knowledge they pay for the application of that and the results and value that it gives them so that's number one proven results is a must the second item is they have to be able to develop business they have to close on sales now that doesn't mean that you may have multiple partners where one is the primary rainmaker, but they have to have that ability at any given time. Or even if, if you may be a person that brings potential customers to the table, they have to be able to help you win that and close that. So that's number two. And the third item is they have to be someone you want to have a beer with because you know when you're starting a business running a business be it small or large and you are tied together as partners you know that's a life they're like family you know like a like a spouse you need to be able to enjoy their company socially because it can be challenging enough professionally and then by that same regards if you want to go have a beer with them then probably your staff and your clients may likely want to go have a beer with them as well definitely i think these are huge points that
1: you know anyone could use in any type of partnership not just partner in the business you know dominic's the principal at pro circuit electrical contracting and his partner is Josh, who's the president of Pro Circuit Electric Contracting, but I think it's applicable to any sort of partnership. So these are great insights.
0: Yeah. And like I said, the the mentorship is key. So hearing that, it really brought a smile to my face and it it reminded me, you know, a lot in the past. And and a key thing is just like one one mentor I, I had. Probably the the best engineer in in this business that I've known, and we're talking going back 20 years ago. Early on, after I had joined his firm, after about 10 years of experience, he had a very unique style that wasn't appropriate for everybody. And he said, take what you like and avoid what you don't like, or even learn from what you don't like. And as simple as that is, it's very telling. Really, you need to create your style. You're not going to have success by mimicking somebody else. Definitely. you You want to learn from multiple different people and then use that education to basically create your your own unique style and beliefs.
1: I think that's a great point, you know, that I think people are looking for people who are authentic and who are themselves. Mm-hmm. so I, and I think people appreciate it. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I just, as you know, interviewed Michael Kushner, who's the president of Infinity Energy Services. That's right. And he was talking about what he learned from working at Sun Edison and ProTech, and then how he applied the parts that he thought were great parts of those companies and his style to running his company now in you know, Infinity. And that's as well for me, like from all my past experiences. You know, I was at Solar City, Tesla. We met at Vanguard Energy Partners, and that's how I know Dominic and Mattinelli. But you know, from my different work experiences, I've really, you know, try to learn from them and then take what I thought was the best parts of it, and then also that fits my personality that are it's going to be more authentic. So I think that's a great point, Steve.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's really it's a simple concept, but it it's something people need to do. I know for myself, I I was part of engineering, <laughs> an engineering firm that sold itself on its very high quality of work standards, you know, the output with very little focus on on the social or business development aspect Definitely. of it. And, and good for them. Great that they could do that. I've witnessed others that are basically just selling and they've got, <laughs> got great, business development leaders, but don't have enough of the emphasis on quality of production. For us and, and for myself, quality and value is first and foremost, but we want everybody involved in the process to be really comfortable. And you've got to have a likability factor regardless of what you do, because at the end of the day, people are going to be having to put their trust and faith in you. And then it goes to the other aspect and and advice I would give to people is don't lose yourself in your business. If you're an entrepreneur, you need to use your opportunity as the entrepreneur to help it enrich and enhance your personal life and your family life, not let the business overwhelm you and lose out on your personal and family life. And in doing so, you know, marry your business and your personal life together. I know that you do that, right? Definitely. I mean, like a lot of the times where you're having great success, you're building relationships inside and outside the office. And that's, that's really what you want to do. And then, you know, if you've got a, if you have a spouse, a significant other, you know, Make sure they're all in on, on your, your business and what you're doing as an entrepreneur and then bring them into the fold and enjoy that. I mean, for me, it really crosses boundaries because my wife, Jean, she was an accountant financial analyst by background. So in starting this, getting her involved and in from day one, taking over accounting and administrations, she's my CFO now. So we uh, you know, we, we really cross, cross over.
1: Yeah, definitely. These are all great points. And I think a a key thing that you mentioned, it's all about clients feeling a personal relationship, a likability to you, and that they feel that you're being honest and transparent. And I think a lot of clients could see that. And then you want things to be scalable as well. So once you build strong relationships, people are going to continue to work with you. Obviously, You know, you're adding value and great service. But that's one of the key things in business. That's really what makes it scalable as well is the repeat business. I know you mentioned, you know, Vanguard Energy Partners has been a client of yours for a very long time. And it's all about the relationship. So
0: That's right. And yeah, and people in companies ebb and flow too, right? So one thing you don't want to do is say just have a great relationship with the executive a senior person uh, owner of one company and you know without regards to the rank and file you know really they're the ones in the line of fire you want to treat everybody well get to develop those relationships and have the trust from top to bottom of everybody in the organization and so when people Change, you know, at the core, you're still a key team member.
1: Definitely. That's so key. Um, I even remember when we first met, you we were actually in John Garrity's office, and I worked for John Garrity. And, you know, I remember, you know, you were obviously very friendly and, you know, continued our communications. You did not, didn't necessarily have to, you were the outside engineer. And I remember as well, you know, when you would come into the office you were, you know, talking to everyone, you know, that you knew in the company, so.
0: Yeah, and that comes from, um, like you said, authenticity, authenticity right? Yeah. So I enjoy that and when I get to know people and I want to do business with people that I like as well, not just, you know, finding a, a way for them to like me. And now and what I'm doing versus you know, past experiences where, you know, top line gross revenue and I may have touched on this in the in you the first podcast you know when when that's a driver or where you're where you've got these huge you know growth targets you can fall into the trap of doing business with companies or, or people that, you know, maybe you don't really want to, but you have to. Or, you know, changing your style, changing your price structure to accommodate Or even yeah. your principles. Yeah. Or your principles. <laughs> yes. a- absolutely. And sometimes, you know, maybe it works out. In the long run, I've found it often doesn't work out economically, but beyond that, it just it may not even work out to a point where you're just, you know, you're really happy in the environment you've created. So now, yeah, as a rule of thumb, I typically will will only want to work with people that pretty much are on the same professional and What's the right word? I don't want to say social level, but but basically that there's a common understanding and trust and strong communication. That's that's better word than social. <laughs>
1: yeah. So it's more of a shared values, I think, is a great way to say it. And as you said, it's like all about the relationships. Like just even look at the panel that we had, right? Suzanne Waters, her and I used to work together at Vanguard Energy Partners and then she was out of the solar industry, but I knew how great she is to work with and how smart she is. So then I, you know, brought her back. And now obviously she works for Renew Energy. Obviously we all know you because you were the outside engineer for Vanguard Energy Partners. And then Juan Triol, who's at Strata Solar, he was an estimator at Vanguard Energy Partners. And, you know, we all work together. And so it's interesting, you know, how I haven't worked at Vanguard in 8 or 9 years that still that these relationships because how close they are you know are still adding value if that makes
0: sense. Oh, that's right. And that will happen in all all industries and all walks of life.
1: That is so true. These are all pearls of wisdom from Steve Ford. <laughs>
0: Oh, boy. That's a lot to live up to. (laughs) Yeah.
1: It was interesting, too. We did this panel discussion, and I thought an interesting point that Steve talked about was... Actually, there are two things that I wanted to talk about. Was panel recycling the big opportunity? And we had a lot of questions, too, in the Q&A about this. Can you talk about... Obviously, solar is still a very new industry. A lot of the panels have only been maybe operational for 10 to 15 years but obviously there's going to be a time where you know it's degraded enough and you know that you have to do something with the panels people are wondering what's going to happen and what's the solutions can you go more into the recycling of panels a lot of people
0: found that topic very interesting sure sure yeah and i don't think it may be a good fresh one, because I don't know that you've spoken to this we really in, spoken in to the it. podcast. Now, I'm not involved in in solar panel recycling. Um, <laughs> I'm so I, I'm, 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 I'm not, a, no, 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 what I'm leading up to is I'm, I'm not an expert in that. But obviously, I, I know about it. I'm interested in it. I read about it, because it is something that's going to be going to be huge up ahead and is not it's not prevalent now. It's not highly talked about as as witnessed by the lack of discussion in your, in your podcast, but it's very important. And since this is a mixture of entrepreneurialism as well as solar, it's one of those things. I, I tell people, wow, if you can get into recycling, I mean, that's that has the potential to be a huge industry ahead. And in fact, I was reading something, I can't give the source now, but even something solar business related that said there should be an average 27% growth per year, you know, till 2050 or something like that. So now now's a good time to get into that. So to throw out some figures just to give it a frame of reference, right? By the start of 2018, there was approximately 50 gigawatts of solar installed in the United States. So roughly that might translate to, let's say, 200 million solar panels, probably at least, and maybe 40 to 50 billion tons of solar panels. Sure. Now, that 50 gigawatts right of total installed solar we know that every year it has been in increasing by leaps and bounds how much is installed so the majority of that right has been installed in the last 5 years and then really systems of significant you know quantity going back you know 10 12 years with solar panels having a 25 year performance guarantee plus an actual lifespan that's being seen of 30 to 35 years, that means that day of that real significant recycling need is still years away. But because Europe and other parts of the world were, were so far ahead of the United States in solar, they had to get the solar panel recycling moving forward. So we can learn from them and a real impetus for the ramp up in the recycling process and plants and, and companies that are gonna be doing it, it will in part need to be driven by regulations or policies, I yes. should say, from on the federal and state levels, and then even incentives. Mm. And a couple I think uh, Washington State has put something forth and incentives and policies. California, I've heard that New York is rolling something out as well. So it's definitely starting. But the thing, the naysayers like to point to, oh, well, what happens when these these solar panels are are no good and that's going to be a real problem, all this waste of solar panels? Well, the good thing is let's talk about what components of, of a solar panel is. You have metal, which is basically the aluminum, typically aluminum frame around the solar module. And specifically, even talking photovoltaics right now, which is the predominance. You have glass that covers the um, panel. You have plastic that encapsulates the solar cells. And you have the solar cells themselves that are a crystalline silicon. That's the semiconductor you have a back sheet to it that's yes. um, uh, polyvinyl. And you have just the, the junction box and the wiring. So we are not talking toxic materials. We are not talking about you know problems for the environment or the process. In fact, testing was done to show and prove that the, the waste products, let's say, any leaching, et cetera, are well below – the toxicity levels mandated by the EPA. So you actually could just throw out a solar panel. Wow. And they could you know, go into landfills. But you don't want to do that. Don't throw away your solar panel. <laughs> don't put it in a landfill. The, the process has shown that basically, when taking it apart, breaking it down, doing the recycling, and I, I'm not going to go into all the, the details here, not to bore your audience and and definitely not to make sure I I, I get it wrong, right? <laughs> um, but ninety five to ninety six percent are the reported figures of the solar panel that can not only be recycled but reused in the making of new solar panels. So that goes to just furthering the strong, you know the strong idea of renewable energy, right? so, Again, let's go back to critics of <laughs> solar, the anti-solar industry. The manufacturing of solar panels actually has the highest energy use for making of power systems, as I understand it, right? However, that energy payback period from the input energy to produce them in in the solar plants versus what it, what it reaps in use is only about two to three years. Right. So that payback period of that real high <laughs> use to That's create point is just a few years. It can last 25, 35 years. And then 95% of it can be reused, recycled, and reused for new solar panels. Sure. So, um, that's
1: amazing. By the way, not a lot of people know this in the industry. So, I appreciate you educating our listeners about sure. this important.
0: Sure. That's what we're here for. Yeah. More more than me just telling stories, right? <laughs> and Pearls uh, of Wisdom by Steve yeah. Schwartz. <laughs> so,. Yeah, so it, it, that renewable energy only gets enhanced. Now that's you know again we're talking about what you can do. It's not it's not a process that's f- fully in, in place. We there's a long a long way to go. I know even SIA right, solar solar Ener- energy G-
1: industries association. Right, yes, so they
0: they've developed some program even for you know, members to participate in. They'll be key moving ahead. So there's a lot of work to do. In some areas in Europe, since I mentioned them before, they had mandates that the solar panel manufacturers had to take back the solar panels. Interesting. And so that was an impetus to the, the manufacturers being at the forefront of the recycling industry. So we'll get there with, you know, with programs and, and just the pure, you know, when money is going to be available to recycle this growing huge number, that's when it'll take off, right? Because it's definitely. supply and demand, and and it will happen. It's a good time for people to to get into that. Like I said, you know, I also want to use that for for another theme if I could mm. just kind of like devolve yeah, as it popped into my head about the mm. renewable energy and the benefits of that. We talked on the last podcast about how I'm just not that big on the, you know, quote-unquote efficiencies that people harp on in solar, but I talk about the effective effective, yes. Right. The effectiveness. But let's talk about efficiencies of solar panels thinking along that, you know, that aspect of renewable energy and also the fact that, you know, there are naysayers out there because I have heard, you know, so many times about people not in the industry but you know skeptical about solar saying how oh it's so inefficient right it's it's not very efficient the solar panels are inefficient so let's say a solar panel now is about 20% efficiency rating right yes but what does that mean right so often an efficiency could be how it converts, right? How it converts to energy. So if you had an input source, like like, let's say natural gas or something, and only 20% was converted to power, that would be awful. But what the rating of the panel means is it's how its ability to convert the sun's you know, photons yes, that's into usable electricity. electricity uh-huh. So that's 20%. So what happens to the other 80%? Like are we wasting it? No, it's there every day. The <laughs> yeah. sun the sun's going it, to it's <laughs> going to be wasted, you know, if we're not taking that and converting it to electricity, right? So obviously, you know, year over year over year there's great advances in efficiency of solar panels which we definitely want. It gets better for the environment, the economics, the ability to have more solar in a smaller footprint, you know, rises with the the gains of efficiency. But I mean, I look at it the other way, like, wow, 20%, we could take this free sun <laughs> yes. and we can get, you know, 20% of it can be used to generate power and energy. It's a great thing. So, so again, that's, a that's, great point. that's why you know, skeptics. And sometimes you you hear it out there. They just don't really understand what that efficiency means when, when you're talking efficiency specific to solar panels. And I mean, and, it, it's... And, and that's, you know, that's, that sun is an infinite source. So even when, you know, when you compare to nuclear energy or biomass or, or hydropower or geothermal, You know, all of which I'm fine, it's good advances, sustainable design, but those are all finite sources, they're not an infinite source, which, you know, is what renewable energy is all about.
1: Definitely, this is huge. I mean, and the interesting thing to me is that the technology has improved. I remember a time where the capacity or the efficiency was 11 to 12%, now we're at 20, it's just going to improve over time especially like with other technologies with bifacial. And you know, it's just amazing to see how in the short time the technology is getting more advanced. The panels are also getting smaller with that same,
0: right. with the higher greater, greater power density. Greater power density. Yeah.
1: This goes back to your ef- effectiveness versus efficiency discussion that you spoke about during the, the first interview that we did. So right. that's really helpful. Is there any trends that you would want to talk about that you're seeing in the solar industry? I mean, this has been an amazing interview. I know I I didn't prep you for this question, but I think I would love to get your perspective on obviously the ITC is going down. This year, it's 30%. Investment tax credit's going down to 26%. People are safe harboring 5% of panels to qualify for the 30% this year. Are you seeing a lot of activity because people are trying to get their projects through? Are you seeing any sort of rushes to get stuff done, or is it business as usual? Yeah.
0: No, no. Well, I I think... I or is think, there ever business as usual? Yeah. <laughs> is that the key question? Because I feel well, like there's always, you know... Well, the solar industry definitely... You know, since the ITC, whether it be the cash grants or the ITC, traditionally has everybody, you know, scrambling end of the year to get their systems completed online and take advantage of that of the safe harbor. So, you know, that's kind of become a yearly thing. But yes, with the the decrease, I'm seeing our clients have a push on that. And then even more so, since we, we do a lot of work you know, right here in New Jersey with the SREC program closing soon enough and then a a transit transition Transition to before the new final program, there's a big push there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, So what Steve's talking about is once New Jersey reaches 5.1% in solar, the current state-level incentive, which is an SREC, which is a solar renewable energy credit that represents one megawatt hour of solar energy. That program will sunset. They're right now going through the, basically a transition program, meaning that they've are still kind of finalizing what the transition program will be. And then there'll be another incentive. They're planning not to have an SREC program after that. After the transition program, it's going to be more of a fixed incentive. So, you know, everyone is trying to figure out when New Jersey is going to get 5.1%. So you're seeing a lot of people trying to move through the whole process of development and construction and financing as quickly as possible to make sure to qualify for the original SREC incentive. Well, this has been an amazing podcast interview, Steve. I appreciate you being on the podcast a second time and on our live podcast event, How Solar Technology is Changing the World. I think you've added a lot of great personal experiences of you know advice that you provided to our listeners and also talking about two things that I don't think the industry really talks about and their misnomers, which is solar recycling. And then also too about efficiencies and how the sun is a limitless resource that, hey, if we're able to get 20% of something that's limitless that you're not getting, then, you know, that's not an excuse with, from the, the solar naysayer. So this is great and un- unique information.
0: Well, thanks. I'm glad I could add a little. And uh, you know, to your great work you're doing here for the solar industry, uh, I appreciate the opportunity always to sit down with you and, and chat. And uh, I look forward to many more events.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if people wanted to learn more about Chord Consulting, what's the best way for them to learn about it? Feel
0: free to reach out on LinkedIn, you know, email admin at you know, our website, simple as that, www.shwordconsulting.com. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think as well, you guys are very active on the Shword Consulting Facebook page. You guys have a lot of interesting articles about what's going on in the industry and the things that you're working on. So definitely to check out on Facebook, search for Shored Consulting. And we'll have all the stuff in the notes as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds good, Benoit. I look forward to seeing you and, and all our friends uh, out in Salt Lake City next week.
1: Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. It's always a great way to meet everyone in the industry, and it's always a great time.
0: Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this is a lot of fun this is a lot of fun. I feel like I could just keep talking to you for hours. So we'll, you know, I'll talk about the things that I gleaned from your other podcast. that, that <laughs> we'll just talk about personally versus here uh, out in Salt Lake.
1: Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Thank you, Steve.
0: All right. You got it, Benoit.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and leave us a five-star review. That helps us build this community, and that's what we're all about right now, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can.